Golf ball's the best, number one. It's the GOAT of sports apps. Talk about the greatest of all time. Big Joe's the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. <laughs> we know it. I, I'm going to say right. I'm the Djokovic of this scenario. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Download the OTB Sports app now. The Football Show on Off the Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership, and much more. Live on Sky Sports. I'm prepared to end this if I can. Well, do, do it then. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? Why should there be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Now you're welcome along to the football show. We'll be over to Gothenburg later on this hour ahead of Ireland's World Cup qualifier against Sweden. It kicks off half past five tomorrow. The game is live with us on the OTB Sports app or OTB Sports Radio. So from half past five, we have commentary. Build-up starts at 5.15 and we will check in in Gothenburg later on, just after half past nine or so. Very happy to say in the meantime, well, I called him earlier on because we had uh, late withdrawal. We were in dire need and we needed some top, top, top oh, punditry. Zero, some top, top, top punditry <laughs> for such a big game. And I said to the lads, I know who to call. Lads, we're really struggling. We're really struggling here. I know who to call. Now, Damon Delaney wasn't available, but, <laughs> but... <laughs> The bottom uh, room of the ladder, clearly. Thank you so much. I know you hate doing stuff over the phone. I could detect the, the air, the tone of desperation in your voice, Joe, at the other end of the phone. Yeah. I hadn't got the heart to put the phone down on you. You could hear the blubbing. Please, Kenny, please. Yeah, soft centre. So, uh, thank you so much for doing this on a Monday evening. We are obviously starting with the game between Manchester City and Liverpool. This game had a long billing. I mean, for about a month, we've been counting down to this game. Yeah. Jeez, it generally does live up to expe- expectation in, in terms of uh, quality and uh, the relentlessness of the whole 90 minutes. What did you make of it in those terms? Yeah, well, first of all, I'd have to um, shout up a little bit of a caveat. I was in a pub watching this uh, game with a, with a lad who actually talks more than me, Joe, believe it or not. You actually know who he is. I won't name, uh, name names, but... So the game uh, probably text, didn't text have into the undivided Get, attention. You know what it's like when is. you're in, a, when in a, that kind of pub environment, you're watching the game, but you're probably not quite an, analysing as you yeah. would do maybe at home in your in your kind of living room. So I'll throw that small caveat in before I start uh, dissecting the game in my new detail. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm totally engrossed in it. I think like everybody else who, uh, who watched the game, I think everybody understood the significance of the game, the result. Uh, what was at stake and I don't think the, line, the game let us down real kind of intensity to the game total commitment you know from uh, both sets of players I read a little bit of a um, little bit of the, um, comments this morning in the papers and very complimentary in terms of like the quality of football in, in one or two ways from a couple of people saying well this was top class this is the best of the best we're not going to see this we should count our blessings we got these two teams I, I must admit I wasn't done about you thought but I wasn't quite buying into it in terms of that was both teams playing at their very best you know they left they left everything out there in terms of energy uh, you know commitment and, and all those things but I I think of the both teams, Liverpool in particular, I thought weren't at their best. I mean, that wasn't Liverpool's collective best performance for me by a long shot. In fact, if I looked at that Liverpool team, I'd probably ask you again. I can't think of one Liverpool player that I'd probably say give him maybe an 8 out of 10 performance. I mean, collectively, they dug in. They showed a huge amount of character, particularly in that second half. They dragged themselves back in into the game. And I think overall, I'd have to say probably deserved their point. 
but that wasn't a, that wasn't the type of performance I think uh, Klopp would have hoped for and the Liverpool players would have hoped for and what they probably needed to beat that Manchester City team I think City were closer to their best show collectively as a team than Liverpool were but I think it's huge credit to Liverpool that even in those kind of circumstances when they weren't at their best they found a way to drag themselves back into the game could even have won it potentially you could argue but could very easily have lost it late on so yeah great entertainment really enjoyed the game and yeah, it continues on. Uh, it continues on, but I think Liverpool have been a reasonably good place off the back of it. It's a funny thing to say. Obviously, I've talked down a little bit, maybe their uh, their performance, but the fact they've got out of the game and they're still on the on the coattails of Manchester City, breathing down their necks. I think if anything, City will be the ones who might be smarting a little bit at the fact that they didn't put some clear distance between themselves and Liverpool off the back of the performance. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you on Liverpool. Maybe what made it so fascinating was that they weren't at their best and they just dug in. It almost yeah. was a testament to what they stand for as a team in some respects. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think that was the positive uh, that yeah, they were never going to down tools, of course not, but in, in kind of adversity. And they were in adversity uh, for periods early in that uh, first half, Manchester City. Uh, were the better team and it's one of those things Joe you just some days you just know it's just not there you get that bit of a sense of it maybe early in the game you're not saying it to each other on the pitch and you're you know you're shouting at each other and you're demanding more of each other but you just know as the game goes on it's not quite happening for us today the kind of cohesion isn't there I'd say in possession and out possession I don't think in terms of that high intensity press from Liverpool was quite there at its best as we've seen previously and in terms of the quality of the football at times you know how kind of penetrating productive they can be at times when they get going in possession of the ball weren't quite at their best as well they probably recognised that as the game was going on but still sold a huge amount of character almost to accept the reality of course you're striving to do better and find a bit of rhythm and find your best form as the game goes on but some days it just doesn't happen for you and that's you don't want to have that against a team of Manchester City's quality but like I said you know they dug in they scrapped you know they didn't go under they kept themselves and they got themselves back into the game and yeah, either side could have won it in that kind of uh, second half period. So, yeah, so now I wouldn't be holding it up there, maybe one or two other people as well. This is the creme de la month, you know, this is, you know, high quality. It doesn't get any better than this. Not not quite if you break the game down on a few different levels, but in terms of, you know, excitement in, you know, being totally invested in the game, you know, whether you're watching or certainly the players on the game, yeah, it was great to watch. Do you see this as in general terms regardless of Liverpool maybe not being at their very best yesterday but do you see this rivalry as Manchester City for all the money they've spent and with Pep with their noses in front and Liverpool uh, going along with them as best they can but City are the better team no no I don't see I, I, I think the the sand has shifted uh, all the time so I would have made and probably would still make the argument to a point and we've had a discussion before about Liverpool play a brand of football a style of football that, that, that City at times find difficult to deal with you know Liverpool don't play Manchester City at their own game they don't say to Manchester City we're going to come onto the pitch today and you know outpass you're going to have more possession 
then you're going to dominate the ball uh, more than you. You know, we're going to work away slowly up the pitch. We're going to suffocate you, you know, and gradually wear you down and, you know, open you up, that type of thing. Liverpool don't do that. A little bit more direct in terms of the style of play. We spoke about this before, back to front a little bit earlier, into the wide areas, crosses earlier into the box, that type of thing. More of a high energy, you know, kind of physical uh, uh, game. And City, I think, have found that difficult uh, uh, to deal with over the past uh, couple of years. So no, I wouldn't say City had the had, had better uh, team for me. I think they're very much on an equal footing. But I think there's just one. Or two. I, uh, looking at that performance, yes, and not just yesterday. Probably for a small small amount of time, only of late. I look at that Manchester City team, and I just think maybe at the moment, potentially going forward, they're in a slightly better place uh, than Liverpool. I look at Liverpool, and we're all huge fans of that squad that Klopp's put together. But I just feel as if there's a couple of small issues there potentially going forward that Klopp's going to have to address in terms of the makeup of that team. So we've always spoken about Joe about that axis of midfield of Fabinho and Henderson always you know those big games come up boom first two ta- uh, names on the team sheet and then you pick your third player in midfield and we can have that argument in terms of you know who best complements those two but I think probably over the past year it's the first time I've been looking at Jordan Henderson I know he's had a couple of uh, uh, injury problems etc but I, I just think there's been a drop off there in terms of that kind of physical intensity which he kind of plays and he's driven that team forward for a number of years now that kind of uh, uh, that kind of drive he has, and now not, not just drive, but physical drive, the ability to drive across the pitch, make tackles, interceptions, uh, track back, even in possession, get Liverpool going forward to an extent. You know, he's been an absolute machine in there in that central uh, midfield there. He's been absolutely key for them, particularly in terms of that kind of high press um, against opposition teams. But you're just seeing that this year, Joe, I mean, th- that would have been unheard of maybe 18 months ago in a game of that stature. Jordan Henderson getting pulled out for 78 minutes. It just wouldn't happen, Joe, would it? No, and he was rested against Benfica as well. Yeah, exactly. So now Klopp's looking at him for whatever reason. He knows he sees him training every day. Sports science, uh, science team will be in his ear, etc., etc. And they're basically saying to him, this lad can play physically at the level that he did two years ago. That's what it looks to me. We're going to have to be careful. We're going to have to wrap him in cotton wool. And I think, I'm not saying Jordan Henderson's career uh, Liverpool is over. Of course it's not. I think he's going to be a key player going forward over the next kind of year or two. But I think that Jordan Henderson at his best that we saw t- two years ago. I think that uh, player is slowly diminishing before his eyes. He's going to have to find a slightly different role in the team uh, going forward and that'd be, that'd, be a, that'd be a small worry for me because the, that kind of uh, DNA of that Liverpool team in terms of that real kind of drive, pace, energy in that central midfield area and he was the one driving it Joe, if he's not going to be that type of player going forward then that'd be, a small, that'd be a small worry for me in that central midfield. You look at Fabinho yesterday, Joe, and Fabinho's a good player, that's quite the worst game I've seen him playing Liverpool jersey. He looked a little bit all at sea yesterday, yeah, he just yeah. couldn't get close he was arriving a little bit late players are going uh, going past and the Bruyne a goal was a clear example of that just dropped the shoulder you know got away from him kind of I know he's got no recovery anyway he's not the quickest anyway Fabinho but he's a great reader of the game he senses where the, the ball's going he intercepts things perfectly well you know you know, go go gadget leg sticks out with toe intercepts the ball wins the ball back he's great at that but it just wasn't there from yesterday people were ghosting uh, were ghosting by him Bernardo Silva knocked the pass from late in the second half he had to clear him out, you know. So he was he was well be, uh, below par, yeah. and, and Fabinho's a different 
a different type of beast to Henderson. You know, he hasn't got his energy level. He's not as good an athlete uh, as Henderson, but he sits in there, he's disciplined, he reads the game well, he intercepts things great, and Henderson goes after. He's like an animal hard up the pitch in terms of that press going after winning tackles. So for me, Henderson, in, that, in a reduced capacity going forward, that's a small issue for Liverpool, which I think they're going to have to have to rectify to the extent where I think if Liverpool are going to spend big again going forward, whether it's in the summer mm. or maybe the, uh, the window after that, they're going to have to spend big on the a, on a central midfield player. And people might say, you're joking, they've got about six, seven, they've got too many anyway. Well, I think he might have actually have too many central midfielders, but for me, he, he might have to sacrifice two or three of them, get them out the door, and get one top-class midfielder into the football f- football club for the medium to long term. I think there's a few of them out there. I think there's a few outstanding young midfielders around Europe. So th- that's what I'm talking about going forward. I look at that Manchester City team, and I, I kind of don't see those issues potentially uh, going forward uh, for Guardiola. And, and in too many positions but just kind of that central midfield area for me Liverpool because of the, the type of football that they play Joe I think they need to find something else in there going forward if Jordan Henderson isn't going to be that type of player that he has been and can't play at that level consistently that he has yeah. done previously in a Liverpool jersey Yeah on Fabinho even for the first goal De Bruyne ghosted by him there which was quite unlike him and Henderson's an interesting case because he is so much more than just a player he's a, almost kind of a cultural architect in there and there, there are times where he sets a tempo even just with his passing you know 10 yard pass he'll, he'll smash it at someone almost to say come on get going and you yeah. know you almost want to keep somebody like that around it akin to Ferguson keeping a skulls around as long oh, as possible yeah. that's what I'm saying yeah he yeah. won't be out the door Tia- Tiago was very good wasn't he sorry Tiago I thought um, I, I thought he'd done okay to be honest with you but I was having this conversation in the pub with a, a friend who went after the game and I said look there was a one great diagonal pass early on to Trent Alexander-Arnold yeah. out on the right wing and there was a couple of more passes and eventually kind of led to that kind of opening uh, Josh a goal but I said and a friend of mine was kind of uh, can, I, can, I, can I stop you there for a second yeah can we just name this friend can I have a guess yeah <laughs> um, I don't really know if you're, who your friends are I'm trying to who, who talks a lot um <laughs> Alan Cawley. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm not naming names. I'm not. Na- I'm not naming names. I'm not going to drop this fella in there because he had. A, he had. A, he was on the. He was on the last to a certain extent okay. and enjoying himself. But no. Um, but getting back to the football. But I, I, di- I did say it to him, uh, Tiago, and I might be wrong again. Like I said, yeah. I wasn't actually analysing the game from one minute to the ninetieth. But apart from that big diagonal pass, I said to him, "Look, what was the standout moments for Tiago? Where was that two, three, four, five real kind of penetrating passes?" Now breaking the lines or really opening up the Manchester City defence because for me as you know Joe he has to do that continuously because for me he's a passenger when you haven't got the ball we, again we, we saw yesterday in the yellow card could have got himself sent off and I, I don't beat him up over because he can't defend you know so that's, that's an issue with him and that's the baggage you have to carry when you put him into the team is he giving you enough in possession is he haunting the opposition team enough with his passing in terms of getting Liverpool on the attack in terms of assists and maybe for occasionally goals to you know to kind of supplement what you have to carry with him in the team because he hasn't got those defensive qualities of other Liverpool players and that's just the way it is so again that's that's been a conversation about Liverpool since he's been at the football club uh, Thiago and we've spoken about kind of Curtis Jones the quality he has off the Chamberlain Keita that kind of physicality which they bring but the conversation has always been Henderson Fabinho 
pick your let, let's have a conversation about mm. that third central midfield player isn't it whereas now over the past year just looking at Jordan Henderson and just yeah. feeling as if that just a drop off now drop off yeah, in his yeah, performance yeah. levels now what does that mean for the team does he stay he stay, certainly stays with the football club such as his importance in the dressing room his stature in terms of his influence uh, around around the team you don't get rid of that too easy and of course he's going to come in and play his fair sh- uh, share of the games but I, I just don't feel as if I've just got that feeling watching certainly the past six months on the pitch he may not be able to influence games as he has done previously just due, due to really deterioration is kind of physical conditioning which happens to us all arrives at you know to us all at some point but that's going to be key how Klopp sees that going does he feel as if we look do you know what going forward I'm going to go for a more technically based game I'm going to build this team around uh, Thiago uh, Harvey Elliott they're going to be me two number eights in central midfield with Fabinho uh, behind them we're not going to be maybe as successful uh, as a pressing team as we have done previously but I'm going to get more highly technically gifted players in that central area of the pitch and we're going to go a different route now that that's a conversation which you can have which you can have as well, Joe. There's no kind of right or wrong. I don't know again. Yeah. I don't know how you see it, but for me, that's that's kind of playing into Manchester City's hands because nobody's better at that type of football than than Manchester City. So for me, Liverpool mm. have done the right thing in terms of how they've put it up to Manchester City the past couple of years by going a different route, by playing a different type of football that we spoke about, that kind of high energy, back to front a little bit uh, uh, quicker, going in behind earlier, using the strengths of that uh, front three that they have from 4-5 now, which you'd call it. So that would be interesting. be very interesting to see how he, how Klopp sees it and whether you see the likes of uh, he goes and spends big again, the likes of Jude Bellingham. You know, for me, like that's the type of player Liverpool going forward need to get in box to box high energy you know he's got a you know physically imposing he's still developing the young kid he's actually a very good footballer as well technically uh, very good but you know that 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 type top class box to box really six number eight can really do anything for you I think that's the type of midfielder Liverpool are going to need uh, going forward if they're not if they're not going to maybe just drop off ever so slightly in terms of staying on the coattails of, of, Manche- of Manchester City that's a small thing now Joe I mean, that's a that's not something which is gaping you're looking at the screen and thinking oh my god Henderson's having a nightmare he's got to come out oh, of the sure. team but you, you just get a sense of it not just a sense of I can kind of see it on the pitch and I've seen it a little bit uh, where Henderson and as I've always thought, well, that's interesting. If there is a drop off there in his physical levels, what's the answer? Mm. Is the answer you going down a different route, or is the answer you going to replace him with that type of with a young Jordan Henderson? And who's out there to come in? How much do I have to spend to go and get him? But uh, yeah, that's maybe a little bit for the for the for the future, Joe. Maybe six months down the road. Yeah. But at the moment, I think Liverpool are still in it. I, I, I think Manchester City have the have the advantage certainly in terms of the points advantage, and clearly they've got the easier uh, running. Joe, I think that's pretty obvious. But the fact they're both still in uh, Champions League the games this week, the FA Cup game, I'd expect them both to get through to the semi-finals of the Champions League, and then managers are going to have to navigate a route for their teams in terms of squad selection. Who do you pick? Squad rotation for those particular games, and that'll be fascinating to see. That's a big challenge there's no bigger challenge for a club manager I don't think if you get your team you're you're going for a league title you're neck and neck with your opponents you're both in the latter stages 
in the Champions League. That's a huge challenge when every decision you make in terms of team selection is absolutely key between now and the and the end of the season. So that'll be fascinating. But I still think it's too close to call. I understand if most people, I can understand the argument City are favourites now. I think that's that's a fair argument and it's probably the stronger argument at this moment. But I just, because it's Liverpool and because of that, that, that quality which they have in terms of just that collective togetherness, the drive, everything, the manager, players, crowd, club, the whole thing, they just won't go away. And Guardiola know that, that they're on their coattails, one small slip, this Liverpool team may not be playing quite at their best at the moment, but they're still good enough to get their heads in front and go and win this league title. Gabriel Jesus started and scored. Uh, Pep Guardiola was asked about Jesus starting ahead of the likes of Grealish or uh, Mares, for instance. And I'm going to need you to give me more of an answer than he did. So Pep said, Gabriel deserved to play because he's a fantastic person. So uh, that's not the full story, I would suspect. Uh, what's your logic on this? The, the, you wouldn't heard it in the pub, for instance, like uh, the sense of Gary Neville and I think Jamie Carragher was that Pep went with Sterling and Jesus because they could run in behind this high Liverpool line. Now, I, I would think that Mares and Grealish should be perfectly capable of doing something similar. So it's, it's more for me, it's got to be more for me than just an ability to run in behind, even though we did see Jesus do that on occasion. So what, what's your read on this Grealish, uh, essentially, but this Grealish Mares uh, versus Jesus for this big game dynamic? Yeah, well, the surprise for me was that, maybe not huge surprise, not surprise really in terms of Guardiola and team selection when it comes to these big games, Joe. You know I mean, he's, he flummoxed, us, he's flummoxed us all the past in, in a number of years in terms of key selections and even tactical setup of the team for kind of big games. For me, the first forward on, on the team sheet for Manchester City, that front three, Joe, the first player on the, on the team sheet for the Liverpool game would have been Mares. For, so, because for me, he's been the most impressive forward probably for about a year now. I think he's been absolutely exceptional. I think his goal return over the past this year is phenomenal. He might be the joint top scorer, Joe, and I think his level of performance has been absolutely uh, fantastic. So he would have been my fourth starter playing that right of, a, uh, right of a three. I think Foden has kind of excelled in that false number nine. I wouldn't be a huge uh, fan of him particularly. We've had that discussion. But Foden is very comfortable there, and I can understand the argument of him playing in that false uh, nine position. And then you can have your... Uh, the argument really is down that left-hand side, Grealish uh, or, or Sterling. I think it was interesting he flipped Sterling into the middle and Foden out to the left because I, I think if there is a small little bit of that bit of weakness in that Liverpool uh, defence, we know where it is in behind Alexander-Arnold, particularly with Joel Matip slightly slow uh, recovery when the ball's in behind. So wouldn't and Manchester City clearly targeted that area of the pitch, particularly first half. Joe, you know that high line. It was no surprise that kind of uh, Foden in particular was continually making those runs in behind, a bit of eye contact with the Man City player in possession, and they were looking for that ball in behind as early as possible for that for, uh, for that run. So that was that was pretty obvious. And I think by playing Foden out there and Sterling, I think they kind of targeted that side of the pitch to say, yeah, this is kind of our way in. 
not so much the other side. Van Dijk, obviously, and Robertson probably a little bit more uh, capable, more competent in terms of defensive responsibilities. But that right when when Matty plays with with um, Trent Alexander and down that side, that's pretty much always your way in, Joe. That's not a that's not a big secret, is it? In terms of how do we get at this Liverpool team? How do we get in behind this Liverpool defence? How do we break this high line? It's pretty much down that right hand side. So I, I thought that would that clearly came into his decision making in terms of folding on the maybe top folding a bit more defensive responsibility he would track Trent Alexander as well he could trust him to go up and down the pitch and he had the legs to do it for 90 minutes that might have been all, all of these factors Joe I think you, you know you give some thoughts before you put the, the team on the pitch but the biggest surprise for me was, was Mares not starting and people say oh the, the, the chance at the end yeah the ch- chance at the end yeah, yeah fair enough but I think his form has been as good as as good as anybody actually I think he's been a very outstanding forward player for some time now so that was the surprise yeah. for me so why, you know, why Jesus then what do you think Pep was thinking well no I think he likes I, mean, I like Jesus people actually continue telling me oh, my Manchester haven't got a centre forward well they do Jesus is a centre forward I mean if you look at Jesus in terms of he never, uh, he never plays him there though no, he never plays in there now, but he is a <laughs> but he is a he, he is a centre forward. Like I mean, I played centre half the first, you know, twenty four. I, I played one game a left wing. It doesn't mean I'm a, le- I'm a left wing. I've been brought up. I've been developed uh, as a central defender. Jesus, and he'd be looking from what I've read of him in terms of uh, coming up early clubs, South America. He's a centre forward. Mm. That's how he's been schooled. Yeah, that's how he's been coached. Now Guardiola has uh, has, has utilised him in a couple of different areas. I think that's probably a compliment to the player that he can play him in a wide area he's got a bit of he's got good game intelligence he can play in those wide areas understands what's required of him he works very hard for the team he's do, you, do you think it's that do you think it's do you think it's that he, do you think it's that he works very hard and is diligent and that's what got him in over Mares yeah, like, so. he's, he's like morphing an, into Dirk Cow well here in terms of our possession the ball Liverpool's forward Liverpool's fullback sending them uh, high up the pitch as they do trying to get as much ball as quickly to your full but not how effective Liverpool can be Robertson and Trent Alexander get on the ball toward the arts from the opposition goal in space not being tracked potentially by opposition uh, wingers so that m- might have been an argument I think Maris has done better in that respect Ma- you, you can't you can't survive in this Ma- at Manchester City as a, as a forward if you're not prepared to track back but some players are just they're better at it Joe they see danger quicker they're a little bit more disciplined they get, get back into defensive uh, uh, positions earlier kind of goal side and I'd probably say yeah Jay-Z should probably trust him a little bit more but Mares for me like the qualities which particularly off that right hand side uh, Joe that's what he's at his best you know receive the ball coming on the inside little combinations he can go on the outside as well on, the, on his right side he works really well with Walker you know drifting inside Walker on the overlap so that was a surprise for me that Mares didn't actually didn't actually play but I could understand the kind of the Sterling uh, Foden access over the other side of the pitch so kind of that made a little bit of a little bit of sense to me I thought he had a little bit of joy during the game in terms of you know that kind of high line and just getting a little bit of joy balls in behind that uh, that Liverpool defence got away with one late on Liverpool didn't they Sterling went through he's mm. just like a smidgen mm. uh, offside before he put the ball into the net wasn't it so so yeah so I, wouldn't, I suppose it wouldn't be a, a Pep Guardiola uh, Guardiola selection if there wasn't one maybe you're kind of scratching your head a little bit but um, yeah but Maris was the one for me because I think he's become a bit of a killer over the past uh, past year or so in terms of the quality of his performances and even finishing uh, uh, the quality of his finishing albeit 
he kind of uh, he didn't take the one late on. Although to be honest with you, Joe, I thought he'd done the right thing late on. People are saying, oh, wouldn't he smash it? If you kind of look, by the time he looked, he, he got to strike the ball. Matip had got himself back in his face, really, but it was very difficult to smash that ball, you know, and get beyond the uh, Joel Matip. Like he would, wouldn't have got a block on that. For me, it was actually there for the for the chip. It was great vision to realise that's yeah. that's the kind of finish yeah. that was required for me. He just didn't execute it. That was a problem. Just got underneath it, which was unusual for him. Technically, he's uh, he's uh, he's so good. But I wouldn't kind of I wouldn't be certain to be overcritical of the Manchester uh, well certainly the Manchester City performance because I thought they played well. I thought it was a really good uh, Manchester City performance all in all. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think the small bit of reg- maybe regret might be regret. Maybe the end of the season they won the league title and whatever. Of course, there'll be no regret. But um, if they do, if they give up that lead and Liverpool get the noses in front and take that title, I think they'll look back to this game, Manchester City, and feel as if we should have we should have put them to the sword. We had an opportunity yeah. and we didn't take it. Listen, thank you so so much for uh, digging us out here at short notice. All oh, right. Yeah. No you, problem, were, you were you were top top. Right. Uh, how, get a bit of toast on there. Get the kettle on. Get the toast and the toast. How Happy did you get? Guys. How did you get on at left wing that time? By the way, skinned them, <laughs> killed them. Did you? <laughs> left wing. No, I just I just took that position out there. I'm trying to think if I ever actually ended up in that position. Jordan me and uh, Jordan me, me and Tori. The only reason I ended up in uh, the left wing position was when I was designated as a, a man marker a couple of times in my career and I was literally following people all over the, the pitch Bielsa style man marking I might have ended up in the left wing on that occasion but that would have been about it Fair enough Fair enough uh, Thanks again Appreciate it Kenny Cheers Nice one Joe Take Cheers. care Kenny well, Cunningham with us there uh, Looking back on Manchester City 2 Liverpool 2 We'll touch on the other results from the weekend across the football show uh, this week Our football show coverage is brought to you by Sky Proud partner of the women's national football team I believe together and we can go anywhere where we're going to take a short break. The Irish football team in action in Sweden tomorrow. We're going to check in ahead of the kickoff, uh, half past five on Tuesday. We're going to check in with Ashley O'Reilly next. Julianne Russell, you're here to co-commentate with me tomorrow. Are you excited for the game? Yeah, I can't wait. Um, look, it's going to be a massive game. I think everyone is just dying for it to happen now at this stage. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And just to chat about Irish football in general and where it's came from. Today I asked um, Katie McCabe, about when she made her debut back in 2015 to now 2022, the difference that she's seen. Obviously, you've been around for a long time playing for Ireland. Have you seen a massive difference? Yeah, I actually remember the the night Katie made her de- debut seems like years ago now at this stage. Um, but yeah, no, it's really come on leaps and bounds. Um, I suppose when we kind of did the whole strike thing back in 2017, um, it really kind of... Ha- have, has really come on since then um, the professionalism has is just second to none um, I think with the equal pay um, which came in as well it's just really really good and now it's just kind of a stepping stone now to continue to, to keep growing Yeah and at that moment in 2017 you probably didn't think the effect that that would have to really put it where it is today and that's what Katie mentioned actually she said those girls have fought so hard to actually make it what it is today yeah, not at all. Like at the time, sure, we didn't have a clue what we were doing, but we were kind of like, look, let's just try and do it. Um, and it felt like in our hearts that this was the right th- thing to do. And as we said back then, we were saying it's not really for us. It's for the generation below us that are coming through. And look, it's brilliant to see um, now all these kind of major sponsors coming in, like the likes of Sky and Cadbury's. Um, and like, it's just brilliant to see that. And have you seen the Sky advert that went out? 
Yeah, so when I was flying this morning um, from Dublin Airport, uh, walking through uh, to the gate, yeah. it was just unreal. Like, it was phenomenal to see it. And um, yeah, just so happy for the girls. Yeah, Vera and Katie actually mentioned that today. They're like, wow, it's actually a bit surreal seeing those type of things. And yeah, it was amazing to see and everybody getting their pictures there as well. And playing for Ireland. So do you remember making your debut for Ireland? I do. Um, back in 2008, um, I... Uh, was over um, under Noel King at the time. Um, we were over playing Russia and Kazakhstan. Um, so I came on against Kazakhstan um, and set up actually the, the winning goal. I think it was Steph Roach scored it. So yeah, a, a few years ago now at this stage, but um, yeah, I'll always remember it. Brilliant. And did you come through the underage ranks of, of playing for Ireland as well? Yeah, yeah, I did. So I um, started with the under 15 schools, um, which I was actually on at the moment. I just saw that they beat England 4 1 yeah. today, which is great. Um, so started through that and then on to the under 17s, under 19s, and then the senior team. So I was 18 when I was called up to the senior team and then was on it ever since. And you're actually on standby for this game tomorrow. How does that all work? Explain. <laughs> Yeah, um, so I've been on standby for the last couple of games. Um, so unfortunately, it's not the place where I want to be. Obviously, I'd prefer to be on the pitch or in the squad with the girls. Um, but look, it is what it is. And um, hopefully I'll be called upon and when the time is right. And so do you get told maybe closer to the to the game time tomorrow that, you know, a week out from the game, two weeks out from the game that you're not on? Or, or how do you know? Yeah, so about a couple of weeks uh, prior to the game um, the club is informed that you're on a provisional squad so um, uh, I don't know the exact numbers but, but it probably is up to about 30-35 players um, and then the official squad is announced and uh, you're usually told uh, before it's announced that you're on standby and then um, when the team is training beforehand if anyone gets injured or whatnot, um, you may be called upon so for the example of this um, trip Megan Campbell um, didn't get um, unfortunately she picked up a knock with Liverpool and then um, Ava O'Mahony and Clara Reardon got um, the call in which is fantastic yeah fantastic for them and it must be quite hard when you're you're sitting around waiting and obviously you want to be out there as you said it must be tough to to be waiting for that call yeah, no, it is. Um, I suppose no one wants to be in that position, but you just kind of have to keep training with your club. And um, I've joined back with Galway um, last season when I returned back from Australia. And the management with Alan Murphy in there at the moment is unbelievable. Um, he was a professional himself, so everything's top class. And um, yeah, I think it's a really good. So I just keep training away with them while I'm there. <laughs> And so you mentioned there that you were living in Australia. So you actually were flying back and forth playing with Ireland while you were living in Australia. Yeah. So um, I went over to Australia back in uh, 2017 and um, I was working over there with Microsoft and I played professionally over there with Western Sydney Wanderers. And uh, I, as you mentioned, yeah, I was flying um, to and fro from, from Australia, which was kind of mad wow. when I think about it now um, but yeah look it was amazing um, to be able to do that and um, yeah I'm very grateful that um, I, I was able to do it. Yeah that's amazing and so just to chat about the the Ireland team at the moment and their current form have you been impressed with them so far? Yeah uh, look I think they were trying to get into a groove but uh, um, at the start there over the last kind of year 
but by playing the t- top nations they were testing themselves um, I think it kind of came together then when the win over Australia um, which was good uh, the 3-2 win um, and yeah I think kind of it's just been building on um, game by game and um, like the formation that Vera's playing at the moment I think the girls are really settling into it with three at the back and the two wing backs um, so yeah I, I think uh, definitely the team has improved and it is a mix of those experienced girls and then you have the younger girls coming through. It can be a tough blend at times, probably maybe even off the pitch and on the pitch, of course, to having that chemistry. But yeah, because there, there's an age gap there and, you know, there's these girls that are just getting their first few caps for Ireland too. Yeah, um, I think it's really important to have the blend in, in any team. Um, I think sometimes if a team is way too young, like you're, they're just missing that bit of experience and then vice versa, you need a, a little bit of a spark as well with the young people. Um, so I think there is a really good blend at the moment um, and it's great to see that Vera's given the younger girls a bit of a chance as well. Absolutely. And we've seen that they did play Sweden back in October time. It was 1-0 that day. It was actually an own goal. So <laughs> Ireland could have came away with the win that day. Um, we were just chatting about it in the press conference today. But I do feel we're probably going to see a bit of a different Sweden team now tomorrow. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think the 15-0 thumping that they gave Georgia, a bit of an eye-opener of what they're capable of. Um, they have worked world-class players in there um the girls a lot of the girls will know of them katie playing with black Genius with arsenal um and then yeah there's a few others playing with everton and chelsea and clubs and around biggest clubs in europe barcelona psg so yeah they've a phenomenal team um so we're just going to have to defend for our lives really and uh yeah when when we get on the ball keep it and take our chances if they come and what is the outcome that you think that Ireland will, will be happy with? Obviously, we want the win. Of course, we want the win. But what is the outcome, do you think, that Ireland would walk away happiest with? Um, I think, yeah, look, if, if you don't want to win, there, there's something wrong. Yeah. But I think, realistically, um, the girls would be uh, really, really happy with a draw. Mm-hmm. Um, so I imagine that's what, what, what they'd be happy with. Is that a case of going out and just parking the bus then and just, you know, blocking blocking it up for, for the day and that's that? <laughs> Look, I don't think they'll park it. I think if you're going out with that mindset, you'll just go deeper and deeper and deeper and you're kind of in the six-yard box and you just can't contain that for 90 minutes. No. Um, so... Look, I think they'll be really well organised to have their roles and just um, try their best and, and when they do get it, trying to just as I said don't give it away because they need that energy um, the Swedes are very um, very fast and direct and will counter attack and look they, they have so much experience in there so um, yeah I think they're just going to have to do their best and, and uh, try defend and uh, yeah we do have the the attack and style, you know, that's something that we've seen that we're well able to do, we're well able to score goals. You know, we can be dangerous that way too. So it would be wrong to go out and just defend, defend, defend. You know, we should go out and play like we have been. Yeah, 100%. And look, the girls' natural mindset, um, the attacking players, like they don't want to be defending the no. whole time. So yeah, no, look, we will uh, definitely 
utilize the the creativity like the likes of Denise O'Sullivan um Katie McCabe um Heather Payne and like I think especially we're so dangerous from set pieces um with the likes of Louise and uh Nephi going off for corners and free kicks so I think if we if we take our chances um we'll be happy yes absolutely and just as you mentioned Katie McCabe I was chatting with her today what was she like I suppose uh, as a captain as a leader yeah, she's great. Like she's a big character in the dressing room. Even when she was uh, young and coming in, she was uh, lots of confidence. And I think, like you could see, she had a lot of talent when she was younger. So although she was given the captaincy at a young age, I think you could see the trajectory in her career. And I think she's been excellent for for Ireland and role model for girls um, growing up. And then she's having an amazing career with Arsenal as well at the moment. So yeah, I'm delighted for her. And she's only like 26 years of age, isn't it? Like, it, yeah. it's mad. You do, as you said, she was given the captaincy so young. I think she was the, the youngest ever Ireland captain. It is mad to think she's only 26. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, no, it's mad. And like, look, it may have matured her a little bit quicker than um, than other people. But um, I think she's taken in her stride and she would have got a lot of mentoring um, off the likes of the older players as well, such as Neve and Louise Quinn and Diane Caldwell. Um, so, yeah, look, she's in a great place and I, I think she's doing excellent. And to be in a qualifier for a World Cup, you know, it, it's amazing for Ireland. It really is. You know, it's really exciting times. Do you feel that buzz about this Irish team? Yeah, I think there's a whole buzz around um, the team and around women's sport in general. Um, like, I think it's just the media and the, the public are really getting behind women in sport from the likes, would say, of Kelly Harrington and her success. And, like, it's just, it's excellent and it's lovely to see. And, yeah, I think especially around now this, the qualifier, um, like, it's just a really good time in, in women's sport. And we're in a good situation if we can, as we said, get the draw tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. You know, we're sitting second at the moment. Like we're, we're in a good place. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think the recent draw, Finland and Slovakia, yeah. the 1-1 one, one was Amazing. was brilliant for, for Ireland. So like um, I know we, we didn't get the result we wanted with Slovakia. Um, it was a bit of a blip. But I think with that recent draw, Finland, Slovakia, that's obviously in our favour. So I think just keep... Uh, game by game at the moment and uh, don't get too f- ahead of ourselves and if I had to ask you for a prediction I know this is tough to ask <laughs> could you give me one <laughs> I'm going to say 2-2 two, two. Oh way! yeah I think I think there's going to be a lot of goals yeah yeah, yeah. so um, yeah I, I think with both teams coming off a massive wins both against Georgia um this is what I was thinking today. I was thinking, God, they've come off a 15-0. They were scoring goals for fun. I hope, you know, they're not coming into this game with all that confidence. But but Ireland did the same. Exactly. It was 11-0. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I think both teams had their their shooting boots on. Um, especially Sweden. I, I thought it was actually just mad that they only beat them 4-0 in the first game. Um, but obviously they were going out to prove a point. I think it was 11-0 at halftime. So, yeah, hopefully they won't have that same uh kind of <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> we'll see we'll see absolutely and have you ever been to sweden or gothenburg before i haven't been to gothenburg no i've been to sweden um previously to stockholm with i think it was with the under 19s ireland team um so yeah looking forward to having a little look around tomorrow it looks like a beautiful place brilliant Julian. thank you no bother thank you